Hi, my name is Mandy Jackson Beverly. Welcome to the Bookshop Podcast. Each week, I present interviews with independent bookshop owners from around the globe, authors, publishing professionals, and specialists in subjects dear to my heart the environment and social justice. To help the show reach more people, please share it with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. You're listening to episode 232. Last week, I received notification from Feedspot.com that the Bookshop Podcast was voted number one bookish podcast from thousands of podcasts worldwide in this category. Ranking is based on expertise and credibility, content, quality and relevance, longevity and consistency, and audience engagement. October 2023 marked year four for the Bookshop Podcast, and I'm super grateful to you for listening. You inspire me to keep going every week. We continue to support indie bookshops, booksellers, publishing professionals, experts in social justice and the environment, and authors globally. Our listeners tune in from six continents in 98 countries and territories and 2,780 cities around the world. Thanks to the TBP team who continue to help me put this show together, Brian, Adrian, and Francis. Now, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts, and let's get on with this week's interview. Located in Goa, India, the Dog Ears Bookshop is a small-town bookstore with a big vision. They stock children's books in English from around the globe, fiction and non-fiction titles from independent and mainstream publishers, as well as books on Goa. They also offer pre-loved second-hand books sourced from tourists, making their selection unique. The Dog Ears Bookshop embodies diverse cultures and experiences and serves as a community hub that fosters a love of the arts. To make books more accessible, they organize book fairs at local schools, colleges and marketplaces and host film festivals, author discussions, seminars, panel discussions, poetry slam events, theatre and other workshops for children. These initiatives bring people together, foster a sense of community, and highlight the power of books to connect, inspire, and inform. Hi, Leonard, and welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Let's begin with learning about you and what drew you to open an independent bookshop and online business with your co-founder, Queenie Rodriguez. Uh, so I was born in the same this place. The state of Goa in India. So I was born here. I did my schooling here. I did my engineering here. And then uh, I took up a job with a software company that sent me first to Cleveland and then to Columbus, Ohio. And I spent about six years in the States. I did my MBA at the Ohio State University. And after that, uh, uh, I decided, so during my uh, MBA, I realized the market for used books in the United States. And I thought that if I go back to India, I should start something similar that will allow used books to be bought and sold over the internet. So in 2005, I came back. Uh, Queenie was in the UK, sorry, she came back. And we started something called Dog Ears, etc., which was a 
which was an online bookshop for peer-to-peer selling of used books. And the dog ears was a nod to used books, you know. So, um, but that didn't go very well because I think uh, we are not, we Indians are not very uh, okay with the idea of selling our books, you know, or giving away our books. At least that's what we thought. But we got a lot of requests for publishing. So in 2006, we started our self-publishing company called Cinnamon Teal. At that time, it was India's first self-publishing company. We moved to a new office in 2012. And in 2016, uh, a storefront in the same building as our office got vacant. So the landlord said, can you help me find a tenant for that place? And something came over us and we said, we'll take it up. And we took it up and we opened a bookshop. So there was nothing premeditated about starting a bookshop. We just found this place. We thought it was nice. It's a very small place. It's 210 square meters, uh, square feet. So, uh, but then we we, uh, we also put a mezzanine. So it's about 40, 400 square feet now. So the businesses that fall under the Dog Ears Bookshop are the bookshop, the online bookshop, and your self-publishing business. Could you explain for our listeners a little bit about how that works? What it means is that uh, if, unlike uh, traditional publishing where, you know, the author goes to the publisher and says, can you publish my book? And then the publisher takes a call on many things, whether it fits in its list, whether there is a market for it, whether it thinks that it's the right book to publish at that point of time. In self-publishing, the author takes all these calls and puts his puts puts their own money into the publishing into the publishing of that book. So what we are providing is basically services to help you get that book out. So editing, uh, design, design of cover, design of pages, uh, uh, printing and marketing some marketing so so the book is from manuscript to completed book we help them put it out in the market and can you talk a little about distribution so there is still uh, reluctance by uh, bookshops to carry uh, self-published books uh, that is because uh, that, that is because quite um, uh, Obviously, so there are there are issues with self-published books. Many of the other self-publishing providers tell you, you know, you don't need to edit your book. That's okay, and things like that. So the book that the book that goes out is not really value for money, you know. And so booksellers, the retail booksellers, are a bit hesitant to stock self-published books. So what we do is we put them online. We put them on our own website. We put them on several other online websites. And we make the book available that way. If the author can speak to a pub, to a retailer and get their book stocked in that bookshop, we provide those copies also. And internationally, we uh, make the book available through Ingram. So Ingram arranges for the books to be almost everywhere across all continents. Yes, Leonard, I agree with you. Um, as an example, I'll use myself. When I first published my books, I self-published, and the first one definitely needed more editing. 
By the second one, I was a little happier. But by the third and fourth, I'd found an excellent editing team. I had a developmental editor, line editor, and a proofreader. And this brought the books up to the standard, which I was really happy with. And yes, editing is expensive. Then you have the formatting of the text, you have the book cover, and you have the marketing, which is expensive. That's true. And we, we, we asked the auditor, we asked the author to be um, hands-on with the marketing, you know, because many authors think I've written, that's my job, I'm done. Now it's up to the, uh, to the publisher or the, or the marketer needs to. But the market will not know of your book unless you push it out there, unless you talk about it. Yeah, so we, we asked the author to be hands-on with that because um, we think that the author is the best person to explain the book to the audience. And um, um, so, yeah, so we do a little bit of marketing. Yeah, as someone who speaks weekly with independent bookshop owners, whenever I bring up the topic of self-published books, there are two things that come up. The first being, it has to be good quality. It must be of traditionally published book standard, and that includes the editing. It includes the, as we've said before, the uh, formatting book cover, but also your copyright page, which must follow the guidelines of a standard copyright page. The other issue is ask yourself as a self-published author, where do you buy your books? Do you buy them from Amazon or do you buy them from your local independent bookshop? Because if you aren't buying from your local independent bookshop, then why would you expect them to carry your book in their bookshop? It's important that you build up a relationship with booksellers prior to asking them to put your book on their bookshelves. Uh, for various reasons, many bookshops can't. They, they're so small, they have a limited amount of space, or maybe your book is a backlist and they're more likely to put frontlist books on their shelves the books that people are asking for. Maybe they have a local author section, which would be ideal for your book, but you can't do any of this and you can't expect bookshop owners to place your books in the store unless you've built up a relationship with the booksellers and that you make sure that is where you buy your books. Yeah, and that, that, that's a good point you make because while speaking to, uh, in general on their Twitter handles, or on their Facebook handles, they say the book is available on Amazon, but they want the bookshop to also hold that book because it provides that visibility, you know, it's like a, people can pick up the book and read it. Those two things don't go well with each other. I mean, you need to back up the bookshop as well. You need to tell people it's there at the bookshop. The books won't sell by itself, especially because there's no one else backing it up. So, uh, yeah, so we asked them that they, if it's on their web, websites or it's on their social media handles to tell people that your book is available in these bookshops because they are not going to automatically sell themselves otherwise. No, they won't. And it's a tough business. There are quite a few uh, self-published authors who have done extremely well and they're making a good living selling their books. I think when I first started, which was in 2016, uh, my book sold about 10,000 copies, which at the time I thought was pretty good. It's a very good number, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was too. Now, let's talk about Doggy's Bookshop. Uh, what is the primary language of the books you sell? It's English. Most of bookshops, I think, in, in the metros and in many states are English bookshops. 
so it's so maybe like a 60 40% there will be bookshops that are that have the language of that state we have 22 recognized languages in india so each state has its language like europe you know each state has its language but we keep we keep books of the language that is spoken in my state also but uh, percentage wise that could be 10 or 15% primarily we sell books in english and what about books in translation from other countries apart from english speaking countries yes we have a huge translation market it's it's quite recent um because people are uh, just getting to understand the power of translation and what translation can do so it's not only european languages or non indian languages into english but it's also other indian languages into english and we find that a very nice way of understanding other cultures and getting a peek into their history and things like that 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 market is slowly growing but it's growing in very well and we are happy to be part of that growth in the sense that we can bring these titles onto our shelves i love what you said about the power of reading translated books i recently read that gorgeous little book days in the marasaki bookshop and oh my goodness it's still lingering with me uh the way it was written the simplicity of the story the unusual cadence of the writing it's a charming story yes and uh, also yeah like you said you know the cadence and also the way the the imagery happens in that language sometimes it's difficult to bring it to english but there are translators who try that and get it right most of the time so it's 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 interesting to see how language is used in different cultures to create an image and to communicate things yes i agree now you offer quite a lot of cultural experiences at the bookshop can you tell us about these events we are we are in a state that's kind of divided by a river and um, we found that not by design but just by happenstance a lot of stuff was getting done in the north you know there were a lot of events happening in the north and a lot of these book releases and book discussions and we thought that even though as a small bookshop will make the space to have events in that small space you know so uh, we we started we did we did many things we did workshops for children we did uh, pottery workshops we did uh, before covid we used to have a film festival in in april because we have a portuguese history meaning we were a portuguese colony this part of india was a portuguese colony so we have uh, we have many people speak portuguese in their homes so it's not a foreign it's not a totally alien language in that sense so in april we used to have a uh, portuguese film festival in the bookshop and of course we have author meeting we have author signings the usual stuff film screenings so we try to do a lot of stuff to the extent that we can uh trying to get children to read trying to get children to come together so all those kind of things and i encourage our listeners to do a little research about the portuguese in india i found it fascinating as well as with the original settlements somewhat sad and one of the things that stood out to me was the influence of portuguese architecture in india do you have this influence in goa yeah and a very typical uh, architecture for the house you know 
so there is there is portuguese influence there is local influence and it uh, it came together to create a very unique architecture much of it is going because you know there is demand for high rises and things like that but it's it's still there in the in the rural areas it's still there in some of it is still there in the urban areas but yeah but it's there so we there's a lot of architecture uh, there's a lot of music um, that has the fado for example is part of our culture also oh i love fado but you know what i didn't even think of that that it would have been influential in india yeah it is yeah now it is indian meaning there will be people who say it's a foreign thing but now we have assimilated it we have made it our own we have given it our own flavor and um, the cuisine there's a lot of not portuguese influence but the portuguese roamed around the world and brought things to india that we have made part of our cuisine so uh, the churches uh, there's a lot of it meaning you cannot separate go off from its portuguese history and uh, that, that's, that's, that makes us unique in many ways also I think the beaches around Goa make that area unique too. They are absolutely stunning. Which leads me to my next question. For anyone with a few days in the area, what sites do you suggest they visit? Beaches, historical buildings and parks? Yeah, so uh, the um, the historical buildings are mostly in north in the north. There are a couple of forts here in the south that you could visit. The beaches are much better here in the south. you know i'm sorry i'm talking about the south and the north but a person who's who's coming here will notice the difference between the two there are many churches here that have a history that you know that can be told the city that i live in uh, grew grew from a nucleus that was close to the bookshop and it grew outwards but there is a lot to do besides the beaches also there is there are the churches there are the temples there is the there are the treks that can be done uh, because goa is a small state and between the seashore and the mountain range is just 67 kilometers you know there's a lot of trekking that can be done many waterfalls to see so you can be quite busy if you came to goa uh, and uh, have a lot to look at look for Well, thank you for all that information. Now, getting back to the bookshop, in 2010, the British Council awarded you the Young Creative Entrepreneur for Publishing Award. Was this related to Cinnamon Teal Publishing? Yes, yes, it was related to Cinnamon Teal Publishing. They gave, they gave uh, the, this Young Creative Entrepreneur Awards in five or six different categories, and we got it for publishing. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Because, like I said, it was the first of its kind, the first service in India that time. And as part of it, we got to visit the London Book Fair the following year, in two thousand eleven. And uh, uh, we came back and we said we that India needs a conference for publishers. I don't know if you know. There, I remember there was this Tools of Change conference that O'Reilly used to have in in New York. and uh, i we thought that india needs to have its tools of change conference so we we started a conference that year called publishing next um we had about eight or nine annual conferences then we couldn't raise the funds especially as covid came and things like that and we instituted a, a 
awards for publishing for the publishing industry. So we give awards in about 10 categories uh, every year. Uh, so that came out of that award. I think perhaps the best part of having a business is being in a position where you're able to give back. And this is what I found with independent bookshops. They give back to their communities. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea was that everybody should be on the same page because we found that many publishers, for instance, were not quite comfortable with ebooks and with social media marketing. This is in 2011 when we started. And we thought that a conference like this will kind of even the field for everybody, you know, so that everybody can come and share their best practices with each other. And how were you affected by the lockdowns in India? COVID, we, we did quite badly during COVID because we were shut down for three months first in 2020 and then for a considerable period of time in 21. And uh, that's the time that a few of us banded together and formed the Indian Booksellers Association. So that came out of that because we realized that we needed to stay together and help each other and move forward, you know, because nothing else was moving. Things were not quite going the way we thought they would. Uh, we, were, we, were, we, were thinking, we were listening to reports that the government in Germany declared them an essential industry and all these countries really going there, getting behind their bookshops and nothing of that sort was happening in India. So we thought we should band together and we should do something together. So that, so that association came about during those COVID months. And did that help at all? It helped in the sense that, uh, for example, even now, if, uh, if a bookshop doesn't have a book, we immediately call on the others and ask, do you have this book? You know, so the idea is not to let the customer go away empty handed. So we get them to book somehow. So we are trying these kind of things to make sure that um, as an industry, as a book, as a book retailing industry, we can grow together. So it's similar to the American Booksellers Association, uh, the same kind of thing in the UK, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, that is much, that's on, that's at a much higher level, the things that they do together and things like that. We are nowhere near that, but we are trying to do what we can. It's a start, which is great. Yeah, it's a start. Getting back to Cinnamon Teal Publishing, is there a sizable self-published author industry in India? Oh, it's huge. Because there are, there's everybody is mushrooming, uh, there are many mushrooming right now. and But I have, an, I have issues with that because uh, the authors are not educated about what constitutes a book. So, like like we said, uh, of course, the editing is really bad, but also the quality of the book. You know, the paper on which it's printed, the kind of covers that are, the kind of designing, typesetting that happens, is not what an author should get after spending that kind of money. And I know no retailer will keep some of those books that they turn out. So it's been a bit of a problem because they have, some of them have spoiled it for everybody is what I think. Yeah, and I like what you were saying earlier about speaking to the authors and letting them know that if they really want to sell books, they need to build up their platform online and in person. Signings are a great way to build relationships with readers and that's what it's all about. Yeah, 
um, and I think so. I think author education is also important because the author quite, author quite does not quite know what he or she she needs to get, you know, in terms of the quality of the book, in terms of support after the book is published, or even in terms of what they need to do to market the book. So that author education is missing and uh, needs to be. So our website used to be full of what you need to do, you know, so that uh, you understand what you're paying for. But uh, yeah, but it's not been quite the case with many others. So. Well, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing to educate authors who want to be self-published. Uh, let's talk about books. What are you currently reading? So um, I, I've been listening to your show uh, ever since I've got onto podcasts because I've been I went on I went to podcasts to search for bookshop podcasts, and yours is the first that came, and I I realized that many of your guests suggest fiction books, but I read more non-fiction than I read fiction. And even when I do read fiction, it's usually historical fiction that I read. So um, recently I came across this book called A Bookshop in Algiers, which uh, talks about uh, this guy who is setting up a bookshop and publishing books uh, in the years leading to the Algerian independence from France. So um, very, very nicely said. You get a sense of history. It made me want to go and learn more about the whole independence movement. And uh, because of that, I've now started uh, reading books about bookshops. So uh, the Morisake bookshop is also on my list. But right now, I'm reading a book called uh, A Bookshop in Paris by Nina George, which is about this guy who has a who has a boat, who has his boat as a bookshop. And he goes down the sign. Yeah, so, um, but but I read mostly about Germany and the World War. There's this Richard Evans trilogy about the whole war, you know, before the war, during the war, and after the war. So I've been reading about that. So mine is mostly, a, my interests are mostly in nonfiction and mostly in history. Yes, I love reading about history too, both nonfiction and historical fiction. Leonard, thank you so much for being a guest on the Bookshop Podcast. Thank you for all you do to encourage reading and in educating authors who want to self-publish. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to my conversation with Leonard Fernandez, co-owner of The Dog Ears Bookshop. To find out more about the Bookshop Podcast, go to thebookshoppodcast.com. And make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to the show. You can also follow me at Mandy Jackson Beverly on X, Instagram and Facebook and on YouTube at The Bookshop Podcast. If you have a favorite indie bookshop that you'd like to suggest we have on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you via the contact form at thebookshoppodcast.com. The Bookshop Podcast is written and produced by me, Mandy Jackson Beverly. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly, executive assistant to Mandy, Adrian Otterhan, and graphic design by Francis Barala. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.